Welcome to A Walk In My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, McKinney Smith. The purpose of this show is to inspire you to walk in your greatness. We have conversations with amazing women that are letting us take a step into their stilettos. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what inspires me more is their backstory and their mindset on how they got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, but since you're already here, make sure you subscribe. And I just want to take a quick second to read a quick review from one of our listeners, because you guys have been so gracious with your your reviews and we love your feedback. So this review is from Chanel. She says, this podcast is so uplifting and shines light on the positivity going on around us. McKinney is so transparent in all episodes and asks her guests great questions. It's a must listen. Thank you, Chanel, for leaving us that review. So I'd like to jump right into today's guest because this is a special treat for me because she's a special person in my life. So today's guest, we have Carlin Purcell. She is the CEO of KDPM Consulting Group, Inc. and founder of Sister Talk Group as seen on Oprah's Life Class, CNN, Money, Essence, and Forbes. She is a growth mindset coach and holds a certificate in neuroscience coaching. Carlin is an advocate for gender equity, inclusion, and belonging, and the lived leadership experiences and leadership brands of women of color. Please welcome to the show, Carlin Purcell. Hi. I am so so excited thank you so much for having me it took a sweat thank you way too long (laughs) (laughs) so by the time this airs this will probably be like in the episodes in the 40s and so I'm putting the note out there like Carlin was the very first email that I sent out requesting her to be a guest on this podcast and this woman wears so many hats she is probably like one of the busiest women I know on this planet um, doing amazing things so I am just honored that we have now have this opportunity for um, me to interview you and have you share your gems with the audience oh yeah 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 but and also I think timing is everything I think that now we've connected at the right time Mm-hmm. Um, building up, uh, working on the business, being a full-time entrepreneur, as you know, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a shit show. So, oh, can I say shit? Sorry. I like <laughs> cool. <Go> ahead. So. <laughs> Be you girl. It's all about authenticity. Uh, Be you. Um, yeah. So it, it, it has been an interesting year so far. So I'm, I'm so, so, but I think right now it's, it's such a great time and we're meant to do this today at this time. And I'm super, super honored that you're having me on and, you know, I'll do anything for so hey oh I love you I love you so uh, before I even get into the questions I just wanted to share with everyone Carlin has been um, an essential part of my personal development when I was in the pits going through my struggles before I even started my own personal development journey I was following Carlin online and I believe it was first through Twitter right before she was Mm -hmm. having her first sister talk event and she tweeted about her event, said that I should come. And at the time, you know, I had already gone to divorce. My sister passed away and I had felt some serious portrayals from women around me. And I was like, I don't want to interact with any woman. I have no interest. <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up going to Carlin's event. Uh, I went alone. I went to meet another female who I'd never met before. 
there. We never got to sit together because it was a beautiful how you made everyone, you know, sit away from who they came with. So they were forced to interact with others. But that was my mm-hmm. first encounter with Carlin. And she has been such an important part of my life ever since that moment. And I had the honor of being one of her, her mentees. She was my leadership coach. And I'll let her get into the rest of it when we, we get there. But I just wanted you guys to understand that this woman is like an amazing woman. Thank you, Carlin. Thank you. Thank you, McKinney. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, you remind me of why I do what I do. And I'm always so honored and feel privileged um, to share space with so many amazing women who started this journey with me with uh, Sister Talk, because as, as I think we all help each other grow. And that's the beauty of it, because I didn't know how to hold space and be vulnerable for other women like you and build trust. You actually have to go in there and do it. You have to do the work. And I think that's the biggest thing people don't understand. <laughs> in order mm-hmm. for us to do the work we're doing, you got to get in the mud, get dirty and do the mm-hmm. work. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. So before we get into the meat of your story and what Sister Talk is all about, I'd like to start with an icebreaker question because I feel like as women, especially the Uh, level of success that everyone has attained and all the multiple hats that they wear, you know, we have all these titles that we go by, but a title that I feel is extremely significant is our name because our name has a meaning and we are called this multiple times a day. So it's basically a declaration of of who we are. So Mm -hmm. my first question to you, Carlin, is do you know what your name means? Um, I had... You know, my aunt actually, I think, named me and she had given me this, my mom had given me this, you know, they give you this meaning behind your name, but I mm-hmm. think I forgot. I, I can't remember. I used to know, but no, I, I, I don't, I don't know right now immediately what it means. So I Googled it and, and um, <laughs> <laughs> Carlin, it's a girl's name, old German and English origin. And the name means free man. Hey, mm-hmm. I like that. Free man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Carlin, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? Hmm. I don't know. When I was a little girl, I think I always wanted to teach. I wanted to be a teacher. And I think that stemmed from the fact that I grew up in, in the Caribbean in St. Lucia in a tiny village called Baslabawi. Uh, St. Lucia is a very small, 238 square miles, only 160,000 people. And I grew up hanging out with the birds and the bees and the trees. So I often tell people I had this fairy tale childhood. <laughs> um, <laughs> where you know, I used to listen to the crickets at night and that was my entertainment because we had you know we had no electricity no running water but there was this this teacher who lived about I would say 30 minutes away from us and she had access to the library and for me she was like this god because the only thing I had access to was books so books were my it was like like my savior like it was the one place that I could go and dream of a world bigger than where I grew up and, and she was the one who always used to get books for me. So it used to be a special, like, oh, and she used to have books. I used to uh, borrow books from her. So she was this, this person that I looked up to and I was like, yeah, I want to be a teacher because to me it represented so much because she was like my access to another world, another planet through books. And she always kept mm-hmm. me supplied. Um, her name was Deborah, teacher Deborah. <laughs> 
So for, I, I always wanted to teach because I felt like you can give a child so much. You can open up the gateway to her imagination by being a teacher. So, so yeah, that's, that, that, that was my childhood dream. Beautiful, beautiful. So tell us, how did Sister Talk come about? I feel like my whole life has been an accidental entrepreneur. Like I, <laughs> I, I actually tell people I'm an accidental entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> but, but I've also learned that nothing happens just like we're having this conversation now. Like nothing happens before it's time. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that happens in our lives, even the most dark, painful trauma, um, everything that we've been through is because we are destined for greatness and we were selected for the life that we are living right now. Mm-hmm. And Sister Talk started because of that. Like everything that comes out of something painful, it's something beautiful. And mm-hmm. Sister Talk started because I was going through something painful. When I moved here, I moved to Toronto in 2003. And I call, I call it my battle to belong. Um, moving on Bay Street, um, I didn't really know what to expect, but I thought that knowing my work and the work that I've done in the Caribbean, because that was one of the cultural conditioning, cultural conditions, I guess you can say that I was taught. We were taught that if you go to school, you work hard, head down, somebody's going to recognize you for it and you will get validated, you will get celebrated and you'll get paid your worth. And mm-hmm. then I moved to Toronto and turned out that working hard is not enough. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? They lied to me. So it was mm-hmm. this whole journey of betrayal. And it was like this inner war of trying to understand, feeling betrayed by my cultural belief system by my upbringing, by what I was taught, because I was doing all the things that I was taught and I'm not getting the expected response. So my brain, we're going on this back and forth of what the hell is going on? And I felt very lost. I felt lost. I felt alone. And I didn't really know anybody here. And as much as I did meet some other amazing women on Bay Street, there are a lot of clicks. And I don't think people understand how immigrants can feel like an outsider when you're coming to a country Mm -hmm. that you don't know. Even if you see people who look like you, sometimes the conversation around, yeah, we went to, did you go to like West, West, Finch and whatever and blah 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 and I'm just like eh. yeah I can't really relate to any of you know like nuances and all the beautiful relationships and things that happen during school and university and college and all the things that you guys do here which was great but I think it also isolated me even more so there was a battle to belong as a black woman as a woman as an immigrant in society in friendships and sisterhood and also there was a battle to find my place as a professional on Bay Street and I did use some of the you know the bank had EAPs they call them it's like um, assistant lines for if you need help and stress you need a coach or whatever if you need to talk to someone anonymously um, they have a lot of leadership programs and all of that and I did do it and and they did have networking events and I did all the things I attended all the things, but I still felt like there was a part of me that wasn't seen, that wasn't heard. And she was just screaming for attention because she had something to say, but she did not have the language and the words to say it. So so I, I called the girls night. I mean, some of the girls I just met on Bay Street, I didn't really know them. But the one thing I, I would say that I didn't know, community always saved me and, and, and giving back servant because my, my parents raised me on servant leadership. So... Mm-hmm. I found a little bit of my place, I guess, giving back and serving. So the first thing I did when I moved, I joined the Black Business and Professional Association. I became a volunteer and I started volunteering. And um, then I became the chair of the Heritage Room Award. So I met some people through that. I met some people through work. And then, but I still, there, something was still missing. I don't know if anybody who's listening right now can relate. You know what you go through life being like, like things are good, but something's missing. I'm not fulfilled. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm, I was meant to do more. 
and I'm not fully aligned with my purpose. And also, even that honestly brought a lot of guilt as well because I, I explained how I grew up. I grew up, you know, no electricity. I did my homework by candlelight, um, mm-hmm. kerosene lamp. You know what I mean? I had to walk an hour and a half to catch the bus to go to school. On the days when it wow. rained, the little hill that we had to climb, um, the steps were gone. I had to walk bare feet and put, you know, when I get to the standpipe, wash my feet and put on my mm-hmm. good shoes. Because you know how it is back home. You got mm-hmm. one good pair of shoes, you can't mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my mother would spank me if I went to school with dirty shoes. Wow. So as much as we didn't have a lot, my mom raised us on very, like, like I said, servant leadership, make sure that you're presentable and you bring your best self to whatever it is that you're doing. So when mm-hmm. I couldn't find, you know, that thing that was missing, I just called some of those women that I met. Some of them, I honestly didn't really know them that well, but I was like, you're not a girl's night. You're not like, you know, come to my house, bring a bottle. Let's chill. Let's talk. <laughs> and Pandora's box opened because <laughs> you know i i started it off telling people yeah I, I feel like there is i have so much shame and guilt around my lived experience uh, you know i don't see myself reflected at that time i didn't know it was belong i don't know that word i just knew that i feel like i didn't fit in mm-hmm. and um I, I asked the rest of the girls i'm like ah, i mean have you guys experienced shame what does shame look like for you how do you deal with the gremlin that tells you who the hell do you think you are every time you raise your hand or you demanded more for yourself how do you guys deal with that and people just opened up. People were like, oh, I'm struggling with this. I feel like I'm the token black girl in my department and I'm carrying the weight of the world on me. I haven't forgiven wow. my dad for, you know, leaving my mom and the way he treated us. I haven't, like everybody wow. had a story. And I was so blown away mechanic because I was like, wait, I'm not the only one who's struggling. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that was the beginning of sister talk because at the end of the night, people were like, Oh, this was great. And that's the thing with shame. When you let down, you cultivate that resilience and you let down that story, you no longer carry it. You do take that out of your, your suitcase. You realize how heavy your load was, but you don't realize it until you let it down. So at mm-hmm. the end of the evening, everybody was like, this was great. Can we do this again? And we did it again next month and the next. And that is how Sister Talks fit it. That's beautiful. Wow. Okay. So share how you used, utilized social media to have Sister Talk end up on Oprah. Yeah, that, that was a crazy thing because back then social media wasn't cool, right? We started Sister Talk, when is that, 2011? I mean, it was there, but it wasn't like, you know, there, there. It wasn't there. as heavy as it is now. It yeah. wasn't as heavy as it is now, and which blows my mind because that's only, what, seven, eight years ago? Mm-hmm. crazy it's not even a decade yet we actually did not even have sister talk online i didn't really share much about it during my my quest for belonging my journey trying to discover my authentic self trying to unlearn the parts of my cultural condition and my societal conditioning that does not belong in the future carlin that i'm becoming and i'm creating i'm designing the life i'm designing for myself mm-hmm. i discovered the work of dr Brené brown and she is one of those people who played a pivotal, pivotal role in my personal development and put me on the trajectory that I'm on today. So I shared the work of Dr. Brené Brown, not necessarily the group, because what people were sharing, and honestly, I didn't know what it was. People were sharing such personal things. People were sharing right. things they said that they've never shared with their families before. We were sharing things that we didn't even have language for, but we just knew that it had to get off our chest, right? We had to get rid of the armor, let our guard down, and let our most authentic selves be seen. So we didn't really share it on Insta, but I shared a lot of the work of Brené because every woman was on their own journey. And usually what happened in our sessions, I would share, hey guys, I'm reading this book. I'd like to share some wisdom from it. And because I'm such a nerd, I give everybody homework. <laughs> so, <laughs> because I learned that, and I think it was Tony Robbins who said that, that one of the things I learned from Tony Robbins was that inspiration without application is failure. 
Right. So many of us are, are like, I'm so inspired out. So many of us are I'm inspired. I want to go to this event to no, what you're doing is called avoidance. <laughs> I'm invented out right now. <laughs> like I'm invented out. Me too, girl. Yeah. I'm so invented and inspired out. I do not want to come to that. No offense to anybody out there who's doing events to be inspired people. We need inspiration, of course. But mm-hmm. me personally, I am invented and I'm inspired out. So mm-hmm. when I read that, I was like, oh, crap. Okay, so how do I try to at least? So I made a promise to myself that I said at least everything I read or I watch or I listen, I will try to apply one lesson from it. One. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to renovate the whole house, but one. So that is what started. So I started giving people homework. I shared, I think I wrote a blog post on Brené on the book. Gifts of Imperfection was her first book I read. And I watched her yeah. TED Talk on, on shame and vulnerability. And I shared my, my nuggets from it and why everybody should read the book. And that is what the producer from Harper Studios saw. And I also love Super Soul Sunday. So I always used to watch it. Always tweeting during the process. And... I think, you know, when you share your insights from Super Soul Sunday, yes, they, they, they used to show the quotes, the tweets from the Super Soulers online. So they reached out to me and they'd asked me to complete like, you know, a release form. And I'm like, sure. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. They're like, we might use, nothing is guaranteed. I'm like, okay. And I forgot about it because I know how that works. And then I got a phone call and the guy's like, I'm call- hi, my name is Erwin. I'm calling from Harper Studios. May I speak to Carlin Purcell? And I'm just like, uh, sorry, you're calling from work. Harper Studios, ma'am. I'm like, Harper was in Harper, Harper? He's like, yes, ma'am. I'm like, Harper as an Oprah? He's like, yes, ma'am. I'm like, Oprah as an Oprah Winfrey? He's like, yes, ma'am. I'm like, oh, why are you calling me, Erwin? <laughs> and... Um, a 15, what usually is a 15 minute market research call, because usually apparently before they bring on guests, they do like a little bit of market survey. I had him on the phone for an hour wow. talking about bread. I know. I'm like, Erwin, how long? He's like, but it's all good. I really enjoy talking to you and all the things you're doing. I'm like, so sorry. But I'm like, but I gushed about Brené. I, I really, her work is just so trans- transformative. It's so powerful. It mm-hmm. saved my life and it saved the lives of so many women who were part of Sister Talk. So after they saw it, he talked to me. I told him that her work is the, her research work is the foundation of what we do in sister talk and he was very intrigued by sister talk he wanted to learn more long story short he pitched he's like would you guys like to appear on oprah's life class we're bringing brené on and i'm like you're damn straight you're bringing Brené on and anything oprah needs we're there yeah and that was it wow that was the start of, of the journey that i've been on for the past seven years the power of social media, like I have, I have goosebumps right now, because I mean, people have so many different perspectives about social media, obviously, but I believe it's, it's who you connect yourself to online. You know, if you connect yourself to a bunch of negative people that are always complaining and posting bad or provocative memes or whatever, then that's what you see. That's what you're going to get. But, exactly. you know, the intentionality that you have of following positive people and putting that out there has opened up more doors than we thought social media possibly could. I know. And look and look at social media. It connected us too, right? I met you exactly. on Twitter. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that's a funny joke, everybody listening. When I met her on Twitter, I honestly, I called her a liar because she, at that time she's like, she has three kids. And I'm just like, you do not. I'm like, why are you lying? I'm like, where did you adopt the children? Stop telling people you have three kids. They're not yours. <laughs> because I have never seen three kids. You looked fantastic and you were Thank just you. like, you had such a beautiful energy and vibe around you. Like, it's funny because usually when I'm connected people online, I don't, I don't go into jokey fun and, and interact that way. Yeah. But with you, it was just, it was just such a great vibe. And, and then when we uh-huh. met, it was exactly on as it was online. So I agree with you. Social media can be beautiful. You just have to set your, your intention behind it. it your intentions. Be nasty, exactly. Your intentions. Yeah. 
Exactly. So you've been a survivor of child sexual abuse, bullying, depression, anxiety. Like what made you decide to pursue this journey of empowering other women before i got on the journey of deciding to empower women let's keep it real i was miserable for a whole couple of years like i was i externalized everything i blamed the person who abused me i blamed the things that were going wrong i blamed i was very unhappy at work i blamed my boss for not being a good leader i blamed everything and everyone and i think you know it's important for me to to make that clear because people think that you just wake up one day and you decide to own your trauma and, and, and own your shit and you decide to do something about it. No, I, I went through kicking and screaming because I thought that some sort of miracle would happen and my life would change. I didn't mm. realize that I needed to take responsibility for my life and my story. And by doing that, this is how I changed my life. So I was the inspired Carlin for years, a little motivated here and there, but not really doing anything much with it. Until I got to the point where, yeah, I, th I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And mm. a lot of the research and the books and everything I read, I started putting it into practice. And sister talk and, and even just at work as well, because I, I met so many other immigrant women. Listen to some of my Latino sisters telling me that I want to get rid of my accent because I feel like it's holding me back. Nobody will understand me. It broke my heart to see so many people trying to wow. that we can take and fit in. Yeah. So it actually wow. started at work as first because I started doing lunch and learns and I'm like, let's have little sessions. I'm reading this leadership mm -hmm. book again, or let's watch this TED talk or this, this YouTube video together. And responsibility is such a beautiful gift. Ownership. Mm -hmm. that, that yep. when you take yep. ownership of your life and your story. Yep. It's messy. It's hard. You'll wake up some days and you ask yourself like, man, I just don't want to do the work. I don't want to be the better person. I want to be petty Betty. I just want to like, <laughs> yes, yeah. real. and I went through it. So it was an up and down until I started really seeing the benefits of taking responsibility for my story and my attitude. I call it drinking my tea. When I started, <laughs> to, when I started to do my tea based on how I want it and stop letting people put crap in my tea. Mm -hmm. I started seeing the world differently. My paradigms changed. My perspective changed. And by the way, T stands for, because I'm obsessive acronyms, my thought, <laughs> my energy, emotions, my mm -hmm. environment, and also my attitude and my action. Yes. So I started yes. preparing my tea for myself every single day as opposed to going to work and my boss giving me a cup of tea because he's going to give me his emotions, his attitude, his thoughts. Mm -hmm which yep. is not mine. It's not aligned to my value. So every time I, I tasted his tea, I spat it right back out. Cause I'm like, mm. that's, you know, like, and, and a I lot of us that. do that. We don't realize that we unconsciously drink other people's tea. And we complain that it's not hot enough. It's not sweet enough. It doesn't have the right ingredients because you did not make your own tea. Yes. Right. Yeah. I love that. So, I love that. The, the fact that you took ownership of your own actions, the fact that you took back your power because many people have given their power to other people and don't realize, you know, you have the ability to take that back. If you look at where we are right now in life, every single one of us, it is a, a complete sum of our past actions, our past thoughts. That's how we got to where we are today. So we have to own it. We have to own every decision that we've ever made has led to this point. Yes. So if you're not happy with where you are, you need to take ownership <laughs> of right. what you've done. Because ownership wow. releases blame. Mm -hmm. Right. And blame mm -hmm. really is just giving your power away. Mm -hmm. blame, blame is, you know, you put in the pressure or you're putting responsibility on someone else. And we know what that, what happens with that. It means you're not, you'll never get what you want because we can't control others. We can only control ourselves. Mm -hmm. So ownership is, is the, I, I always say ownership is the first step 
to achieving freedom in your life. So speaking of ownership, you walked away from 23 years in the corporate world to become a full-time entrepreneur. Like what advice would you give a woman thinking about taking that leap? I say do it. Don't expect it to be easy. The obstacles and the challenges you will face on that path will define the kind of entrepreneur you become. Mm -hmm. um, you have to surrender to the process. That's the biggest thing I learned. Um, I actually got surrender tattooed on my arm because <laughs> wow. um, I thought I knew how this would go and, and what would happen. But I realized that God has different plans and better plans mm -hmm. for me, even if Amen. I didn't necessarily <laughs> think so. He's like, oh, you're so cute. Look at you over here trying to navigate this that oh, you're so cute. <laughs> yeah. He sees more than we see, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it, I, I would say it will test your faith. It will test your it will test who you think you are. Um, it will test everything, but it is also the most, what's the right word? I would say that it is the most powerful transformational tool, mm. or personal transformational tool that you can ever, ever, ever go through um, mm -hmm. because it will have you questioning everything. But the beauty of that all is that betting on yourself 100% will take you to new heights. Yes. And your lows, and your lows. Can <laughs> <laughs> say that? Than, than you would have ever imagined. But my advice would be to have a plan for sure, but leave room in that plan for God to plan with you because you won't be able to do it alone. Amen. Amen to that. Goodness. And, 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 and you'll find your tribe. It was very hard for me to find my tribe because I also thought who I, who I knew my tribe would be. And I know, McKinney, we've had those conversations. There are mm -hmm. other people who look like me, I thought, you know, because we haven't real talk on your on walking my stilettos, right? Yeah, yeah. Some people I thought who would be my business besties. I'm like, yeah, we're kind of working along the same thing. We can do this together. We can do that. And no, people are not. Your dream was given to you. I'll say that much. It wasn't given to others. So people will That's not right. see your dream the way you see it. Mm -hmm. So don't be, you can be disappointed because disappointment is, is, is a natural emotion. You're human. You're not a robot. But don't get so hang up on who you think your business bestest should be or who your tribe should be when it comes to building your, your business. Again, just yep. stay open, network, meet people, go to the uncomfortable places, ask for help, raise your hand and keep fighting for what you believe. Because if he brought you to that decision where in your heart and soul and gut, you know, it's time to leave. It means that you're, you're, you're especially chosen for that ride. So just ride it with faith. Yeah, I honestly believe you know, where you said, okay, God gave you that vision. It's for you to carry it out. And sometimes we have people that are around us, friends, family, what have you, that we want or feel can contribute to that vision. And sometimes maybe they be they may be able to for a season, but they're not yeah. necessarily meant to for the entire duration. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They, they yeah. may be able to um, help open up another level or a door for you, but they may not be necessarily there to hold your hand to walk through that door with you. We all evolve at different places or different, at different paces. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there are so many people, especially new entrepreneurs, that have this expectation of those that are around them right now that are going to continue to walk with them. Mm -hmm. But when you hold on to that, you're holding yourself back from where it is you're actually trying to go because you're yeah. so busy trying to pull everyone with you. And they're not. some of them may have their heels in the ground. They're not ready to go. So you have to continue to evolve and to pursue your vision. And those who are supposed to be a part of it, people will come and go, the people that you yeah. need. But the people that 
are where you are right now can probably mm-hmm. only help you where you are right now. But if you're yeah. trying to continue and get to that next level, you're going to have to be open to attracting more people into your tribe, more people who can understand your vision and people who can actually help bring you to that next level. Exactly. Exactly. And you cannot decide what lesson you need at every journey. That's right. <laughs> you know, you know, right. some of those, you know, you go through that and you're like, God, I, I, really, I don't need this lesson right now. But he knows where he's taking you. And mm-hmm. he is purposely crafting and designing your path, your journey based on where he's taking you, not where you think you're going or where you can see. So mm-hmm. sometimes there will be some lessons and some people who will enter and exit your life that will not make sense. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something from someone who have sat and tried to deconstruct and dissect and get more meaning or understanding out of some of those lessons. Give it up, boo. Just move on. It's <laughs> you, you, you won't understand. You won't get it. But at some point, it will all make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay. So share, share with us some other adversities that you've had to overcome to get to where you are today. I think so. it's so crazy how, and that's why I keep saying that if you're going through it, it means that you're strong enough to deal with it. The, the, the microaggression, the invisible aggressions that we go through as Black women, as immigrant women, as women of color, it, it's, it's one, I don't want to say it was surprising, but because I didn't know what it was while going through it on Bay Street, and that's the thing of the power of language. When you get the right words and the right framing of those words to make sense of what you're going through, then you can put language on your experience. And with language, you have power because now you can name that thing. So going through microaggression, mm-hmm. being bullied at work, being betrayed by women, women who look like me, women I thought would have my back. Mm-hmm. All of these, uh, it, it, it takes, it, it chips away at your soul. It takes a little, a little piece out of you. And I think for me, the, the biggest one was obviously going being you know being a survivor child sexual abuse but you know as an adult as well being re-traumatized by by other people who look like me and and people you thought that would want to see you grow men mm. who are who who should know better and then you look mm-hmm. at them and you're like really oh come on but mm-hmm. but you get to that place where you're older and you can defend your you can defend yourself but you still go through experiences that you just didn't see coming Right. And in some cases, you 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 roll with the punches and you 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 make the best out of it. Um, but I think adult bullying too was another one that I don't want to say that I was surprised, but I was. You know, at work, this girl like, making fun of my accent. Another instance where uh, another a black woman tried to throw me under the bus at work because she thought that I was I, I thought too much of myself or, or whatever wow. her words were. Yeah, like those betrayal by adult women, but it's only. When you get older and you understand that people who hurt people, they're just crying out for help because hurt yes. people, people, right? Yes. Then yeah. you understand, you extend compassion to them and, you know, and, and you let it go. So I guess you can say I've, as I've nurtured in, in some of the things that I've been through, as I've gone through the pain and I'm learning more my, my emotional intelligence, which is why I studied it, I got very fascinated by why do I keep replaying the same painful experiences over and over again? Why mm-hmm. do I keep traumatizing myself over and over again? Because they don't give us those, those tools in our toolbox when we right. go to school or as we become adults. Right? Everybody's like, you become an adult, get married, have children, and that's what they find you. Again, another lie. Yeah. Yep. Grow up and you're like, what is this thing called life and betrayal and pain and hurt? And everybody's like, well, it's a part of the experience. I'm like, yeah, but you can't tell me it's part of the experience if you didn't give me the right tools for it. Right. But I guess that's the beauty of life, right? So once you discover the tools and that's if there's any woman out there, you have a story 
you have that elephant story, that fear story, that shame story, that thing that's holding you back. And you, you, it, you now have healed. It's no longer a scab, but it's, a, it's, it's healed. Um, and you feel called and compelled to do something with that story. Do it. Because yep. there's so many women out there who need help, who need to be seen, who need to be heard. I will not be able to help everyone. Hopefully I get to inspire and transform the lives of some, but each and every one of us have a piece of the puzzle and the things that you have been through, that is your PhD in life. But the only way to convert that into wisdom is for you to sit with it, reflect on it and understand why you were the one chosen for that particular journey. That is uh, one of the main reasons why I do this podcast, because your story may be about you, but it isn't necessarily only for you. There is something that others can learn from your journey. So you know, having you women on here sharing your wins and your losses has yeah. been not only so essential in helping me heal with things that I'm dealing with, but the women that are providing their feedback, that are sending me the messages and leaving reviews on how it's impacting them. Like your story is needed. Every mm-hmm. single one of us has a story and it's needed. You know, you've gone through all of this stuff and you're... Constantly, <laughs> you're, you're constantly serving. You're constantly serving, and you're out here and giving of yourself. What is your self care routine? Um, it varies. It depends on what I need. So I've gotten, and it's such a. I mean, it, it's good because I'm doing the work. My self awareness has gone up, pre, like by a thousand percent. Um, for a lot of us who come from high stress jobs, like whether you're working on Bay Street or any other role that, that, that in the hospital, whatever it might be, we make stress a function of our, our way of being and doing. So we don't even know when we are, our bodies are asking us for a break. But now that I've done the work to unlearn a lot of those stress-based modes of work modes that I've been in, my body actually shuts down when I'm too tired. So I'm an mm-hmm. introvert. So when my fuel is low, when I've been around people, um, and I need to recuperate, like my voice actually starts dropping. Like I cannot mm-hmm. speak any louder past a certain point, mm-hmm. which is crazy because in the past, I probably would have just pushed through and make it happen. So depending on what I need, so my self-care routine, it's different. There are days I cannot leave my house. There are days where it's like, I need a full day at home just by myself. Like mm-hmm. I have, if it's nine o'clock, my husband's still at home. I'm like, uh, aren't you going to work outside today? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I love you, but get out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, kind of. (laughs) And it's just me and my candles and my incense. And um, I needed, sometimes I need a full day off social media. I need a total detox. I cannot see anybody, anything. I also go to Do Sweat. Do Sweat is by a dear friend of mine, Sue. And she, her business partner, created this amazing business. Think about the infrared sauna, but in a blanket. You get wrapped Mm -hmm. in this blanket and it just melts away all the stress, heals inflammation, it's amazing. It's one of my go-to places for when I need that head-to-toe inner work as well. I go to body blitz. Mm-hmm. Um, I go for walks. Forest baths are huge for me. I love flower. I call it my flower therapy. Spending time with my flower. I have a plant that I told myself. I changed my story that I kill plants. And I'm like, I am a green thumb <laughs> baby. And she's still going. She's been there for almost a year. And I'm so proud. It's fun. I have a whole bunch of things in my self-care um, basket. Because mm-hmm. depending on what I need, I either need all of them or I need one of them or I need right. half of them, right? And also depending on what's going on. And it's something I encourage people to like in the success plan that we have a bunch of different self-care activities for people to do so that you get to know yourself. You get to learn what mm-hmm. you need, what your body needs, what your mind needs, what your emotions need. 
because sometimes self-care is getting that elephant story off your chest and letting mm-hmm. somebody in and letting them know what you were struggling with because people don't understand the impact of the emotions on the mental health and well-being everybody's like mental health yes. take care of your mental health but what does that really mean and a lot of it sometimes yeah. really starts with understanding the emotions you're experiencing putting a label on it naming it and then once you do that now you can start sourcing the origin of it so that you can now tell that story to someone who has earned the right to hear that story yes Yeah. So, yeah. Have you had any mentors or coaches that have helped you evolve along the way? Yeah, for sure. A lot of my mentors were virtual. Like I said, Brene Brown changed my life. Oprah, that's cliche as it may sound. Uh, (laughs) Because Oprah was the first woman who looked like me, who had a story like mine. When she shared Mm -hmm. the story about sexual abuse, I was blown away. And, but she also became my hope beacon. Um, Because I always reminded myself, look at what Oprah got her dreams back, Carlin. Because when you, ha- when you have been abused as a young child, your right to dream get ripped from your arms. You don't get to be a child. You don't get a childhood. And I mm. think that's a big trail that society and, and, and men and, and, and the people who do that to young children is that you take our right to have a childhood. Mm-hmm. And when I see that Oprah was able to dream again and Oprah was able to create this dynasty and this billion dollar business. It gave me hope. And, but before that though, I'm not going to lie. She also pissed me off. Cause I'm like, how dare her talk about my story without my permission? Mm. Because the thing with you living your authentic life, and that's for the people out there who have some people pissed off at them. You will <laughs> set some people just by being, because you're yep. that for you to own your story and to, and, and, and to walk in your truth. You will offend some people. Don't take it personally. Definitely. They're not yep. ready for to face their selves. So Oprah was that for me. But like I said, I flipped the script and she became one of my biggest inspirations. Tony Robbins, Napoleon Hill. Um, a lot of my mentors were virtual. Like I said, Victor Frankl, who survived the Holocaust. His book, A Man's Search for Menin, uh, literally changed my life. Also Paolo Coelho. Uh, but, and in person, um, like Claudette McGowan is one of my biggest mentors because she she and Oprah they were the two people who made me believe that I can start my own business because I remember talking to her, <laughs> letting her know. Again, first time seeing, you know, a Black woman on Bay Street in technology. It just really blew my mind to know that we, again, it is possible. We can get this 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 high. We can, we can actually yes. do it. And that's so, why for me. Mm-hmm. No, I was going to say, okay, so you've mentioned Bay Street. Um, quite a few times. I know where Bay Street is and Toronto knows where Bay Street is, but majority of my audience is actually from the US. So like give like a quick summary of what Bay Street means. Yeah. So so Bay, Bay Street just means the corporate industry. It's the um it's the Wall Street. It's the financial industry. It's where all the mega banks are and on all the nine to fivers go. And sometimes lose their soul, unfortunately. <laughs> Perfect <laughs> explanation. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> but you can be and not lose your soul. I, I want to say that because at the end, I did take ownership from my miserable, you know, um, coworkers and the and the boss who wasn't an effective leader at all. Everything I designed, my success planner, the tools, my three hundred and sixty-five daily affirmation deck of cards, all of that came out of Bay Street. I was still working full time when I designed mm. those. So I just want to say that you will find your biggest teachers in the workplace. Any place yes. that you're spending a lot of time in, your, your teachers are literally, you're in school. You're in yeah. school because this is your practice ground in, in terms of walking and working on your purpose. Work is one part of your purpose. People often say, I'm looking for my purpose. You're in it. You're living it. 
-hmm. Work is one of your purpose, your talents, your gifts, your skills. That's another part of your purpose. Your elephant story is part of your purpose. That pain that you went through, that's part of it. So mm -hmm. it's understanding that while you do the purpose at work, your purpose will get fine-tuned and updated and upgraded and you'll get more clarity, but you have to show up to class for the lessons and, and stop shutting people out. So some of my mentors yeah. were also at work. I'll never forget. There was a VP from Latin America who was very, very sexist. And that man used to make my skin crawl because mm -hmm. he would send, ask for updates from my supervisor. My supervisor would be like, oh, Carlin's working on this project. CC me on the email. He would respond to my boss. I'm still CC'd. And he'd be like, no, I want you to give me the update. And I'm like, dude, you do know I'm on the email and I've responded, right? So he constantly wow. did things like that to try to minimize me. And I did let him get to me once in a while. But then I went back to the bank, had a lot of, of leadership courses. And for some of you who sitting there asking, what can I do with this pain or with this person who's get to work? This is a lesson for you. This is a purpose yes. upgrade. I went back to our leadership academy at, at work at the bank and I took a strategic influencing course. Mm -hmm. And I started strategizing and I started using my skills to overcome the hurdles in the workplace. And that's why right now we have such a huge database of tools and skills and knowledge in the Sister Talk Leadership Academy, because I've been practicing and doing those for the past 20 years. I've been filling up my, my, my leadership toolkit and, and gathering yeah. names and processes and systems and, and scientific-based research to help women to live and lead their purpose-driven lives. Love it, love it, love it. So I read this article and I like to um, ask all the women that come on the show. The article basically says that your favorite type of shoe says a lot about your personality. So my question to you, Carlin, is mm -hmm. what is your favorite type of shoe? Is it a boot, a running shoe, a stiletto, a flip-flop, pumps, loafers, flats, clogs? <laughs> What's your favorite type of shoe? Man, my favorite type of shoe right now, as you call it, is that a sneak? I don't know if it's a sneaker. It's actually a pair of shoes by Ian Lee. They're kind of like those, they're not running shoes, but they kind of are. What do you call the shoes that are like, you know, you can wear them with anything that you... Mm, they're kind of they're kind of like sneakers because they're, they're kinda like sneakers. yeah okay okay people who love sneakers a very open person willing to explore a lot of options and different ideas they're energetic and ageless they're really not young or old and they seem to move fluidly through age specific groups mm. does that sound like you yeah that does sound like me mm, there you yeah, go there you go like I mean, I don't have okay. a lot, but it's just that I am so fascinated by, I've been more and more um, thinking about my legacy, my impact. How do I want to use every single thing that I do? Because sometimes we think that we need to be on a stage or we need to be on this huge committee or we need to be in the room first to make a difference. But I often say that you, just as you are every single day, you mm -hmm. have an opportunity to have an impact, to make an impact. And to influence the world and to influence the people around you by what you wear, by how you show up, by what you mm -hmm. choose to allow. So more and more, I've just been very conscious with making sure that I rock my black female designers or my uh, women of color um, or just wearing female based brands, especially underrepresented females. So um, yes. I've just been touching on Ian Lee lately. So I've been wearing their, their and they're, it's so comfortable as well. 
and I'm all about comfort and style because I got work to do. I can't be worrying about bringing. <laughs> but I do love my style as well. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Yeah, so before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you online. Yes, you can stay connected at carlinpersal.com and also on Instagram. We have some exciting things coming with the Sister Talk Leadership Academy. We're relaunching our certification program, Bikini, the program that you went through. It's yeah. more robust now. We'll be certifying people in emotional intelligence, um, positive neuroplasticity mindset, how to get your mind right how to craft the prepared mind for the life that you want, as well as um, helping people to own and dismantle the elephant story. So we, we're doing our first cohort, our pilot on the 23rd of June. Uh, nice. We have sessions in the Caribbean booked already. So um, yeah, so we're really excited to bring more um, more women certified in the in the Sister Talk certified leadership program so that they too can go in and really help women transform their lives using the science of human behavior. Yeah. Perfect. So in the detailed description um, underneath your episode, I will have the direct links to your website and your social media so people can directly click and stay connected with you. The final segment of the show, it's called The Walk in Her Stilettos. And today we're going to call it A Walk in Her Speakers in honor of Carlin. And it's where you just share whatever comes to mind um, when I ask these reflection questions. And for the interest of time, because I have no idea how we've used up our entire 45 minutes already, I will probably just ask maybe one or two. Okay. So let's see. I am going to ask if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? It would say the woman you are today is worthy of the dreams that you have right now. So make that next move. You're worth it. Love it. Yeah. Why? Because I think too many women we question our worth. We think that our past has disqualified us for the dreams that we have right now. But know that because of what you have been through, this is why you're worthy of the dreams you have right now. Perfect. Love it. Love it. Okay. Last question. What have you become better at saying no to? in the last five years? Mm, oh, that's a good one. I've gotten better at, at setting boundaries and saying no to people who are just takers. There are people who always want you to be a part of what they're doing, but they mm -hmm. don't necessarily look out for you and give back. Mm -hmm. Everyone's one-sided one draining exchange. So there are, yeah, so I've learned to set boundaries and say no to those people mm -hmm. um, because they were energy drainers. So um, I'm getting better with my boundaries. I'm getting better with, um, protecting my my peace, mm -hmm. my, my energy. Um, so yeah, that definitely I would say is that. Yeah, yeah. Graduated from people pleaser school. Yes. <laughs> Graduated from people pleaser school. Say that again. <laughs> yeah, we are done, right, McKinney? High five. Yes. <laughs> Listen, two thousand nineteen. You know how um, is it Sh uh, Shonda that has the book, The Year of Yes? Yes. Yeah. So. 2019 has been for me the year of no. <laughs> I, I have said no to everyone and everything. Sometimes we have every no you say to someone is a yes to you. That's right. So yes to you today by saying no to someone. I, I co sign that. <laughs> oh, Carlin, I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for taking the time to join us and thank you for sharing your inspiring story with us. I so appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much, McKinney. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you.
And to our listeners, until next time, download the Awaka My Stilettos app and subscribe to our newsletter at awakamystilettos.com. And we want to hear from you. If we have not heard from you as yet, send us your feedback. Write a review on iTunes. Let us know. What did you think about the conversation? What did you learn from Carla? And what do you have to add? Don't forget to rate the podcast. And if you didn't listen in the beginning, subscribe. (laughs) And feel free to screenshot the episode and share it on social media and tag myself and Carlin. Carlin, what's your Instagram at name? At Carlin Purcell. There you go. And I'm at The Real McKinney Smith. Thank you for your time and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.